the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. The latest PragerU video explains Watergate. I can't think of anybody who, who could do a better job than my colleague and friend Hugh Hewitt, who was heard on many, many of the same stations as I am. In fact, Hugh Hewitt is on more than a few occasions, and indeed I am confused with him. Uh, our white hair, glasses, completely white complexion. You know, that's going to be taken out of context, Dennis. <laughs> that, never say that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I have such contempt for them that I mock them with the ease with which I breathe. Hugh Hewitt is, uh, among other things, a scholar of the Nixon era, and he has made a uh, the five-minute videos, which we feature each week. This week it is about Watergate. I promise you that in 99% of your cases, you will learn a great deal from this video. So first of all, congratulations on a fine video. Well, Dennis, thank you. I, I have to begin, instead of, uh, of having fun with you, by just simply saying PragerU is an amazing thing. And a million people have watched this five minutes since PragerU released it yesterday. And that's a million people who know something about Watergate that they did not know before, which is probably uh, the context, the, the complete narrative, the whole story, or at least an introduction by which they might judge it. So PragerU is doing amazing work. And when I visited the PragerU studios, which make Tony Stark's house in Iron Man look small, people have to understand that, that, that PragerU is a vast industrial complex of truth. And it, it, but its vastness will overwhelm. Moreover, the average age there is 22, I think. It's, you've got the youngest group of people working there. I'm, I'm just so impressed with it. Thank you. Well, the, they were impressed with you. When I uh, visit it, I get a, a big burst of enthusiasm over the future because it's a dark age in American life today, and uh, going there is exactly as you described it. So well, let's... you're bending the curve. Yes. You're bending the well, curve. Well, uh, when you, you can get a million people to watch a Watergate video in one day, you know, the library is reopened in Yorba Linda. We couldn't have timed it better because it, it's been closed for a long time. Now it's reopened after 15 months. And we can have that library open for five years and get a million people to go through the Watergate exhibit and study it. Uh, or we can do a Prager video and reach a million people in a day. It's astonishing. Nice. Well, thank you for saying all of that. Uh, we, uh, okay, we, we, we touch a lot of people and we want to touch more. So... Everybody thinks, if you, well, I'll let you answer this. You ask an average American, what is Watergate? We use Watergate always, or something gate. What happened at Watergate? What would they answer? Uh, a terrible political scandal that Nixon had to resign over. Interesting. That's what they'll say. That, that and would, that's it. Right. That would be it. But, 
that would be it. And it's true. That is not an untrue statement. It was a terrible political scandal for which Richard Nixon had to resign. But what you can do in five minutes is explain relative to other scandals, relative to the times, relative to the hatred with which Nixon was held. It was partly anti-communism. It had a lot to do with Alger Hiss. Mostly it's about the media. Um, uh, one thing I, I didn't say on the video, it hadn't happened when we made it, is I talked about Watergate with former President Trump, and he asked me the same question. A lot of people, would, would Nixon have survived in the media environment of today? And the answer would be yes. There would be talk radio. There would be Fox News. There would be um, uh, Twitter. There would be alternative points of view. And he would have survived like Trump did. You know, bruised but unbowed. That's very interesting. I didn't. I would not have expected that response. There. That's true. Look, there are more powerful alternative media today. That. That's. That's a very intelligent observation. So I. I your video did not explain, nor did it have to. So I have had a question all of my life since it happened. Why did they do, why did they rob, or why did they even enter the Democratic National Committee offices? You and Richard Nixon, uh, he is said to have thrown an ashtray across the room. I can't corroborate that even with the library at my disposal. When he heard about it, because it's so stupid, G. Gordon Liddy, the worst hire in the history of the Nixon administration, was hired by a guy named Bud Crow. And G. Gordon Liddy fancied himself a super sleuth and a super agent and a hard-bitten G-man, and he had been an FBI man, and he cooked it up, and John Mitchell should have shot it down, thought he did, but G. Gordon Liddy carried it out on his ab initio. He did it himself. There's some question whether or not John Dean knew about it before it happened, but, but G. Gordon Liddy invented this idea, and he thought he was going to find something of use, but it's the dumbest thing in the world because nothing is at the headquarters of the party. Everything is at the headquarters of the candidate. And so if you're going to do an actual break-in for the purposes of political chicanery or intelligence gathering, not that it should ever be done, but if you were doing it in Turkey, say, or in Russia, you wouldn't go to the campaign. You wouldn't go to the party headquarters. You'd go to the candidate's headquarters. It was dumb. That's what G. Gordon Liddy thought he'd find something. There's an alternative view out there that I don't quite believe about what John Dean sent him there to get. But – and whatever it was, it was a dumb, stupid idea, and it cost Nixon his second term. It was – tell me if, if I'm right. It was particularly stupid given Richard Nixon's astonishing victory in the, in the previous presidential election. It's not like this was a man grasping for power. That's an exponential uh, stupid level because it happened before the 72 election, and McGovern was on his way to the nomination, and he was a sure win. And Nixon what, might not have known he was going to win 49 states, but he'd gone to China. He'd secured the peace with Vietnam. He'd had detente with Soviet Union. He was going to win in a walk. And so there was no need to go to an empty office to break in to put a bug that didn't work. Uh, and Nixon, every historian, even the most critical historians of Nixon, do not believe he knew before the break-in that it was coming. He, he had no knowledge. He did participate in the cover-up. That's why he was eventually in, or wasn't quite impeached, but was going to Right, which leads me to the not. next question. What if he had said, which seems to me to have not been that difficult, God, was that stupid? I had no idea of this, uh, and uh, these people uh, need to be investigated and, if, necessarily, and if necessary, punished. What would have happened? Uh, he would have gotten... You know, 40 verbal lashes from the Washington Post and the New York Times, and it would have been over. 
I make that point in the PragerU video right. that had right. he simply owned it, as we say, uh, it would have been over. Uh, and he was already elected, so there would have been no downside. But in those days, surrounded by the media that had hounded him since 1950 forward, I don't think he was uh, sufficiently confident to do that or to uh, to trust that he would get a fair hearing from Sirica, who is the judge we talk about in the PragerU video as well, uh, because it's not only the political process, there was a criminal process underway, and Sirica was doing whatever he could to get as many heads on the wall as he could. So what prevented Richard Nixon from saying what I just said and what you said in the video? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's because Richard Nixon did not believe that it would stop there. If, you know, he eventually asked for Hal- Halderman and Ehrlichman's resignation with the famous explanation, David Frost, that gave my enemies a sword and they used it. I had to get rid of my senior staff. I didn't do it soon enough. All of that were bad decisions every step of the way that he did not focus on at any given point and simply transparently say, and he knew that. He said so in his memoirs, his fault, his bad call, a genius with a blind spot. And that blind spot was driven by a very accurate awareness of what the media would do with any concession of weakness. But he still, nevertheless, he should have done that. Um, Not burn the tapes. That's the other question we get. Why didn't he burn the tapes? And too much of a historian, too much of an eye on history to have burned the tapes. They're fascinating. But he could have just said, my bad. Uh, My campaign people got out of control. They're all fired. The FBI should prosecute the people who organized it. Just basically what we're saying about the people who invaded the Congress on January 6th, they're all criminals. They all ought to be prosecuted to the extent that they are are culpable uh, for whatever crime they are charged with. And that's it. That's the only answer, but he didn't give it. And what is your role at the Nixon Library? I am the president and CEO and a member of the board and the general counsel, and I clean up after people who come. I have leave Cheeto wrappers around. I, you know, Dennis, can I, I, before I run out of space, I got to tell you, I'm so astonished by the number of people who have visited PragerU to watch the Nixon video. In one day, a million people. Because during the break, I was reading about Amazon's purchase of MGM uh, announced this morning for eight and a half billion dollars. And they're doing that to get eyeballs and everybody competes for viewers. And I think to myself, if they got a show to be watched, you know, a million people at PragerU yesterday is more than watched all of CNN yesterday. And so it's just (laughs) astonishing what you've done. And someday I know you're not for profit. I want to thank all the people who donate to keep PragerU going because it matters to the future of the country and, and people should and ought to include Prager University in their giving and they ought to plan for them in their estates. They ought to do all that stuff because if it's worth doing now, it's worth doing for the next 50 years. But I am amazed that Netflix or Amazon or IT, you know, Apple TV hasn't approached you to run a Prager channel uh, you know, or a Prager program. Has that happened yet? <laughs> uh, it's hard to imagine it happening. Uh, uh, Netflix would not even stream No Safe Spaces because I was in it with Adam Carolla. You're not serious. I'm totally serious. Netflix is as corrupt as the rest of them. That's nuts. I mean, just from a a value perspective. But uh, uh, true believers don't care about money. 
Leftism is a religion. Would 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 a would a Catholic change his view on abortion for a, a, a sum of money? No. Would no. A, would a, would a leftist change for a sum of money? No. Yes. You know, this is where we disagree. I always think money will drive eventually will drive then the creation of an alternative network like Fox ought to have the Prager Show running six videos in a half hour every day, even if they only run it at, at after prime time or before prime time. They ought to have the Prager video show because that's an astonishing audience. Yeah. You know that. And you do it. It happens every time, right? That's every right. Time oh, every time. Every, exactly. And uh, I mean, even my podcast, The Fireside Chat, is three quarters of a million min- minimum each week. And they don't even know about your ornithology, Jones. My ornithology, what? Well, I understand you just got back from chasing the Russian rare green shot. Yes, how, how did I didn't know you knew that? That is correct. In well, fact, I know I have. There was a new bird. Hawk. It's it's called the the Prager hawk. No, it's the Russian rare green shank. I read all about it. I, I, there's a Prager. Uh, uh, what's Dennis up to? Website that I keep track of. I would like to announce to the public: there is no colleague of mine that can stay serious with me for more than ten minutes. It, it is not possible. <laughs> I bring I bring out the absurd in virtually everyone I talk to. <laughs> that that will be how I am remembered. <laughs> well, then people will remember you fondly. Yes, then, I agree with you. I I have uh, no problem with that. Make people happy. It's the By the way, you, you don't know. I actually did. Uh, either this week or last week, I actually broadcast a story about how the American Ornithological Association is dropping all of the names of birds because a lot of the names belong to white supremacists. I did not hear that story. Yes, yes. You know, I'm not surprised. I'll tell you why. The the Battle Commission, or the, the Base Renaming Commission, of which I approve, by the way, I don't believe bases should be named for some of these Confederate uh, uh, generals like Fort Hood, et cetera. But they are going to rename the destroyer the Antietam, or at least they're talking about it. The Antietam was a Union victory. <laughs> I don't understand that. That's right. I don't understand it. I don't either. It doesn't make, it's it's sort of, uh, it's not, it's beyond Orwellian. It's gone into a sort of madness right. that, cycles and spirals, which is why I think, isn't that part of the success of Prager? Is that enough people, not Prager Dennis, but Prager No, I know what you understood, yeah. Yeah, that that they they just need to go somewhere to actually get a baseline of facts. That's what I did the Watergate video for, just give people a baseline context. Yes. Do you know with all the attack pieces on us, when it's now approaching 500 videos, they cannot cite one line in one video to condemn PragerU. That's how seriously uh, we take the task of being truthful and being sober. And people... But when did you you ever become a lightning rod? I mean, I've been on the road with you for 30 years doing events, and we've done 100 shows, 200, 500 shows together. You've never said anything remotely controversial other than you are a political conservative and and a man of the right... But so is Edmund Burke. I mean, so is Clarence Thomas. So is is every great conservative. Why do they not like Dennis Prager now? Are you actually being canceled? Yes. There are even just Prager you, not just me. But do you don't know the great story of when I testified in the Senate? 
Uh, oh, I saw that. I played that. But I, I, I thought that was a one-off, a one No, 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 no. There, there are at least 100 PragerU videos that are still on, on the restricted list. If you, if you filter out pornography and violence, you cannot see those particular videos. And if you look at the list, not one belongs on it. And we're shadow banned. It's a very serious problem for us and for all, for all conservative media. Well, then you'll like Ron DeSantis. I'm at the Republican Governors Association today and tomorrow broadcasting in Nashville. And Governor DeSantis will be here. And he signed a law prohibiting uh, political points of view in common carrier platforms, which I will applaud. It's probably not constitutional. I will applaud if they expand it even more to provide that it doesn't just govern political speech, because that's where it's going to have a, a First Amendment failure. But but you began to ask me about Nixon, and I think maybe the animus against Dennis Prager is not unrelated to the animus against Richard Nixon in the media, which is if you take on uh, sacred cows, the cows never forget. And Nixon took on Hiss, exposed Hiss as a communist, and the Eastern establishment never forgot and never forgave. Alger Hiss was their fair-haired boy. And the Eastern establishment is, of course, Manhattan Beltway media elite, as fueled by Harvard, Yale, and the other Ivies into their little cloistered village of influence that is Manhattan and, and Beltway bound. Uh, and now they've got annexes in Silicon Valley and, and Hollywood. But I don't even think this is disputable anymore, Dennis. That's right, it isn't. Hey, listen, we'll do a part two. You're terrific, and the video is terrific. Great to well, talk great to you. you. Terrific. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.